hi everyone, my name is Talia Smith. I am the curator for the 2020 iteration of the Churchy Emerging Art Prize. With me today for this chat, I have Melbourne-based artist James Newen, whose practice looks to cultural and familial histories. Thank you for joining me today, James. Um, could you start by talking about your work that is in the Churchy exhibition? Um, yeah, so like, I guess um, it was kind of like, I, I guess it was really good that I made these paintings because they would have been easier to post, but then <laughs> if I made videos, it would have been easier to post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all about the postage. That's kind of like the most important. Um, yeah, but but I guess it's kind of this thing where, yeah, like, I, I don't know, like I've always loved kind of like high modernism and minimalism, right? And kind of like that aesthetic of kind of like cleanliness and slickness and kind of like high bright lighting as opposed to kind of like the the dark room for video. Um, and so when I started kind of like rethinking and re revisiting kind of like modernism, um, yeah, it was basically just like these white men from mainly America or, you know, like um, Central Europe making these paintings about nothing and kind of like expecting that, you know, like the artwork should speak for itself and for its materiality. So basically it's kind of like a conceptual, like cop out, um, but aesthetically beautiful. Mm. <laughs> you know, so, and like it really suits kind of like modern furniture and like it sets off, you know, like a well-lit, um, well-plastered room. <laughs> Yeah and, yeah, and so kind of like, um, yeah, thinking back to kind of like the beginning of kind of like the monochrome. So thinking about um, Katsumir, like Malevich and um, from then kind of like this whole art historical trajectory of like the white monochrome, I wanted to kind of like um, take, a, take part of be a part of this kind of like historical, um, I don't know, trajectory and kind of like throw a little bit of um, my life experience into it. And yeah, and, and, and so that's how the work merged. Yeah, it's, um, mm. you know, it is, it is uh, a bit tongue in cheek and a bit um, cheeky again for lack of a, couldn't think of another word that wasn't cheek. Um, <laughs> I really like that about it you know it's like we know the history of art and we were taught it at art school at high school you know from birth we have been taught um a version of art history and I really like that you are taught you know you're just saying there that you kind of want to insert yourself into that and I also really like that you're using whitening creams you know like that you're not even using paint like, I really, <laughs> and it's, you know, it's so many different layers in the work. Like, uh, the, there's a photographic researcher, Daniel Blight, and he's wrote a book called The Image of Whiteness. Mm. Yeah. He talks about this idea of whiteness, and, and he is a white man himself. Yeah. And he also believes that it's more of, like, yes, it's to do with, um, you know, it's begun with skin color in terms of being a white person, but he also believes that it's a force. You know, it's something that um, has worked its way into our structures, our systems, the way we live, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And I know that this work, it, it really does unpack this idea of 
whiteness um, on many different levels. You know, you've got whitening cream, you've got the fact that they're white, you've also got um, the sort of reference to these artists, you've got the whiteness of art history. I was wondering if you could just sort of unpack that term whiteness in relation to what you've um, what you've made a little bit more. Yeah, yeah so I, I guess I, I was kind of like reading Sarah Ahmed's um, phenomenology of whiteness and how basically you exist in this whirlpool of whiteness mm. and you don't really know it or acknowledge it um, until kind of like, I don't know, like th there's these moments when you're like, huh, that's weird. I thought I was normal, but you're completely abnormal in, in, in this framework. And so you feel it and you sense it, but it's really hard to articulate. And so, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's that really normal thing where, you know, like when you're in Asia or even in Australia, you see all these Asian women who are completely covered, you know, like pre, pre-COVID um, in gloves, masks, all these things because they want to embody the privilege that is white, you know, like that beauty standard and kind of like the colorism within kind of like um, POC um, mm -hmm. cultures and families. Like there's always this competitiveness to... <clears throat> amongst especially women to see how white that they can get. And that whiteness becomes this kind of like literally toxic <clears throat> um, pursuit where, you know, like you're putting on these creams, mm. you're kind of like putting like um, quinates into your body and um, basically bleaching your skin. And, and that damages the skin and kind of like damages who you are, like physically and also mentally. Um, but in saying that, like, there, there's kind of, like, a few things that um, you were talking about in kind of, like, art history and in that kind of, like, idealization of kind of, like, the white figure, in which is kind of, like, from, I, I guess, the Socratic figures, you know, like, in Greece and kind of, like, the architecture of Greece. But kind of, like, that, the irony is that, you know, like, the rediscovery and... Um, kind of like return to kind of like the Greek ideal of whiteness and of the Caucasian body is kind of like basically just because the paint on these figures and the paint on these um, temples and sculptures have faded. <laughs> and so it's kind of like the aesthetic that's, that's been kind of like really um, revered. It's actually an aesthetic of fading away, an aesthetic of loss and disappearance that that kind of like, um, I, I guess, kind of like um, Western art history really exalts. And, mm -hmm. and, and so kind of like there, there's an irony in that and actually it's kind of like colour and vividness and um, all of, you know, the chaos of, you know, like ancient Greek life that that was seen as beautiful, which when faded becomes even more beautiful because it's this weird monochrome. Um, yeah, and and also in the contemporary setting, it doesn't just affect kind of like POC or people of colour, quote unquote, but I, I reckon what's really interesting is that, you know, like when you're watching porn and when you're watching kind of like sexualized bodies, like oh. there's this sense that, you know, like, you know, like brown nipples are somehow dirty, Yep. Your nipples are misshapen, you know, like, oh, maybe you've become pregnant or 
you know, like <clears throat> when you go through kind of like <clears throat> these hormonal changes, you know, like your body starts to kind of like um, scar and, you know, you, you get like discoloration in your face and your bodily features. And there's kind of like a shamefulness to kind of like the non perfectly white and, you know, like pink tipped, you know, like genitals you know, that, that you see, right? Like it has to be <clears throat> in, in today's culture, it, it also is kind of like this weird thing where it's not just hairlessness that's really important, you know, but in, in kind of like terms of attractiveness, but also, you know, like the pinkness and the lightness of kind of like the anus, the armpits, you know, like all the, the scrotum, all of these things have to comply to a sense of whiteness, which is um, really frightening. Mm. You know, like we, we live in, in an age where it's kind of like, you've lived through, you know, like um, third, fourth wave feminism where you're like, you know, refusing to shave your armpits. But then right. there are huge ways of society where, you know, like you're getting kind of like um, genital tucks, right? <laughs> and, and genital lifts. And, and in that process, kind of like skin lightening in, in that area. And so in the reality for a lot of people it's it's actually embodied and it's lived and it's kind of like this shame of not having you know like white or or you know like pink features you know like that that kind of like youthful freshness which is super gross right yeah i remember reading this thread actually on twitter recently there was this i follow this um uh african-american woman makeup artist mm. and she was talking about how uh, she had recently been shamed for having darkness under her armpits, a very natural thing. Yeah. And then she was like, that's not the only area where the darkness is. You know, like she was you know, referring to the, her inner thighs, her yeah. um, anus and all of this kind of stuff. And yeah. people were either agreeing with her other African-American woman or just other women were saying like, yeah, isn't it weird? You know, like, why is it like this? But then other people were also like, what? That's disgusting. Like, do you not clean? And it's like, oh my God, I hate that. Yes, like you're saying that it's associated with yeah. cleanliness. Yeah. But yeah. But, yeah, but also the weird thing is that kind of like being overly hygienic, you know, like yeah. overly clean, like scrubbing yourself till your skin bleeds. Yes. It's kind of like a form of psychosis, right? And and actually that makes you kind of like more vulnerable to kind of like skin infections and disease right and and so kind of like there's there's these forms of you know like psychological and and social normative mm. um ideals of what it means to exist in the world which is kind of like lighter skinned you know like youthful young unblemished and kind of like our you know like the majority of the population kind of like has this form of compliance right and and where kind of like we aspire towards these forms of whiteness we kind of like poison ourselves we expose ourselves to kind of like be more vulnerable to infection you know like all, all of these really embodied um kind of like consequence of you know the the whiteness around us and and so yeah i guess that's why in the work i just wanted to use kind of like cedar or just simple wood because wood like a material is like your skin right and if you add 
these um, layers on top of it, like it actually soaks in and damages kind of like the material itself. And mm. so in a way it's self-destructive. And, yeah. and I, I guess that's part of the work. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, <laughs> I also was thinking, yeah, just stylistically, since you've kind of gotten to that point, um, you know, you are, I guess, um, well-known or at least a lot of your practice that I've seen myself has included video. I don't want to be like well-known, but um, <laughs> a lot of your work that I've I'm well-known amongst five friends. You know, I've seen a lot of your video work um, predominantly <laughs> in exhibitions or whatever. And I just, um, you know, I wondered, uh, yeah, I guess, what drew you to to this? I'm not saying you haven't worked in other ways before, but painting I haven't seen from you, or at least referencing that history. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen before. Yeah, I guess I, I started training as a painter. <laughs> and so, like, I facetiously describe myself as a painter. <laughs> I'm a painter of kind of, like, light and cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Such bullshit, right? Um, yeah, I kind of like felt like I wanted to kind of like return to the medium that I was trained in yeah. to kind of like fuck it up because as you were saying previously, like that idea of kind of like we've all been trained in this history, you know, like we've been all immersed in it. Like we've all, we are all products of kind of like this very Eurocentric and Americentric, um, you know, understanding of modernism and art history and so kind of like for me it was really important to kind of like go back to kind of like the panel you know like referencing kind of like renaissance art and, and all, all of these things and so um yeah I, i'm like um I, I i just felt like painting and well one of the really interesting things is you know like all of these products require like a wet vehicle to deliver mm. kind of like um kind of like the skin lightening chemicals right and the thing with painting is that like primarily it is about a wet medium you know like it's about these admixtures and and kind of like it's kind of like a chemical process which you know like is really weird when you know you hear painters talk about paint <laughs> because you're like what the what like it is all about, you know, like materiality. It's about, you know, like figure on ground. And, and it's all about, you know, like, uh, have you used rabbit skin glue to prime or prep this surface, right? Like it's, it's talking about everything, but kind of like content. <laughs> and so I'm like, I can engage with that. Like who fucking can't? <laughs> Art for art's sake, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's very um, I guess I just want to end, you know, talking about your wider practice and that you do a lot of collaborations and uh, especially with members of your family. And I was wondering, you know, what is it about working with your family, but also just collaborations in general? Like what does that um give you overworking individually or yeah you know like why are you drawn to it yeah yeah like there's there's so many good reasons right like the the first thing is kind of like um again harking back to kind of like western art history you know like 
from the very moment of Giorgio Vasari, you know, like you have this idealization of the persona of the individual genius. Mm. When actually in kind of like Western art history, like people were trained in kind of like, um, in, yeah, in, in studios where, you know, you had a master that passed on kind of like their techniques and everything to kind of like younger generations. So it was always this kind of like collaborative process of art making. But Western art history has focused on the idealization of the individual. And when you can focus on the individual, you can really easily exclude. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and kind of like it's, it's really easy to kind of like exclude the work of women, exclude mm-hmm. the work of kind of like the family, exclude the work of kind of like friends and contributors when, when you just solely focus kind of like your attention on this single genius, right? Um, yeah, and so it's kind of like really important for me to work with all different types of people because it kind of like dissolves that kind of um, individual authority, I guess. Yeah. And that sort of hierarchy, I suppose, right? Mm. That the artist is, um, like you said, like the genius and the, and the person behind all of the ideas and so they're at the top and the, the collaborative as of the people below them, you know? Yeah, it, it yeah. destroys the idea, yeah. yeah. But in saying that, I do steal ideas from my family, you know, like <laughs> having these conversations and stuff with them. Like, a lot of times they come up with kind of like life experiences that really do enrich and contradict kind of like these ideas that I have. Mm. And so it actually makes the work a lot more interesting. And, and it's really important to kind of like be able to absorb and kind of like be able to take on the critique and kind of like input of others um because i guess you know being trained the way that we are like it's it's kind of like up you know like the artists on the canvas or the artists on screen or whatever and and it's it's and it's falls on our shoulders to kind of like carry the burden of you know like being judged for making good art or bad art right and so <laughs> when you redistribute kind of like authorship it means if it's bad art you've all made bad art together, you know? Like, and so it's a kind of like a little bit more enjoyable and less um, anxiety <laughs> inducing <laughs> if you're able to fail as a group rather than fail as an individual, which is like super sad. <laughs> also, I think um, it's also just fun, like working with your family or friends or whatever, it, like you're saying, the things that you can, um, the skills that they have that you don't have or just like the way that they might problem solve something is so different to the way you would and you're just like oh wow you know like yeah. that's amazing also um yeah. about that yeah, yeah. Um, just being open to kind of like that beauty of surprise you know like um yeah you know that's just so fun when when you ask your dad to do something and then he does the complete opposite and it looks like five times better on camera, you know. 